You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Welcome back to Road Talk. My name is Jacob Hawk, the host of this podcast and the Young Adults Singles Minister here at the Preston Crest Church Christ. We just finished a summer-long series on the podcast over Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. And during the summer, we hired a new associate youth minister here at Preston Crest, Aaron Fari. And if you remember earlier in the year, I interviewed each minister on staff about their ministry. And so since Aaron has come on this summer, I wanted to be sure and let you get to know her and a little bit about her background and what she hopes to do here at Preston Crest. So, Erin, we are glad that you're with us today. Thank you. So, Erin, why don't you go ahead as we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, went to college, all that good stuff, and then we'll get going. Yeah, so a good place to start with all of this is just by talking about how much I moved. So, I say I'm from Wichita Falls, but it's just because it's easier to say that. Um, The truth is I've lived in a lot of places, and that's just where I've been the longest. So my dad was in the military, and by the age of 11, I had lived in 10 different houses, five different states, and as a family, we had moved seven different times. Um, This is, it made our family very close, and I have a very tight relationship with my parents and my younger sister, but this, this theme of change just seems to be very consistent in my life. So I lived in Wichita Falls for eight years, and even during that time, I went to several different schools, several different churches. Um, And by the time I went to college, I had actually attended eight different school systems from elementary through high school. I went to Harding University, and I pretty much created my own major. I went to college wanting to be a junior high teacher and a high school athletics coach. Um, But as time went on and through switching majors, a lot of different times, I realized that being in a school setting was not where I wanted to be. I just couldn't imagine something different, though, because all of my life it had been in a school building or in a gym. Mm -hmm. But God showed me other areas of my life that I was really passionate about and encouraged me to pursue that instead. In high school, I went on my first mission trip to Belize, and that sparked an um, interest in international missions. In college, I was a youth intern, and I found a love for ministry. Halfway through my junior year of college, I switched to an integrative studies major, and this allowed me to study education, which I had already been doing, but also psychology and ministry. Um, I did this truly because I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I also didn't know where I wanted to end up. I just knew that I had a passion for missions and ministry and wanted to do something with that. So neat stories. So uh, yeah, change has been a part of your life. You've lived in several different places, gone to different 
schools, different school settings. And that's kind of neat how you created your own uh, major, getting to study several different things that have proved to be useful for you. Um, now you were an intern at the College Church Christ in Searcy, is that right? Yes, I was for two years. It's a good place. That's where I went to church when I was at school at Harding. Um, and obviously you love missions. We waited for you to get back from, uh, were you in Ghana? I was in Ghana. Ghana this summer, so that's what we were waiting for, and you started mid-August. So tell us a little bit about some of the mission trips that you've been on, maybe some of your favorites or things that stick out. Yeah, I've been on five international trips um, in my life, and the first one was in high school. I went to Belize with my youth group, and it was really just because everybody else was going. Uh, I was 17, I'd never even been on a plane before, and so when our youth group finally had the opportunity to go on an international mission trip, we all jumped at it. Wait, so not to interrupt you here, no, but it's okay. you, you'd moved eight or nine times and you had never been on a plane? Right. That, okay. That's... We drove everywhere. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, keep going. So you went to Belize. Right. Um, and I went because everyone else did. Okay. The next year, my youth group had the opportunity to go to Athens, Greece, and to host a conference for some of their refugees. And this trip was 100% God's will. I was not supposed to go. And a month before the trip went, my youth minister called me and told me that someone had dropped out and someone else had offered to pay my way so that I could go. Mm -hmm. And I really believe it was God that sent me because had he not, I would not have found this love for missions that became so heavily a part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, so the next year I went to the Philippines with a group from Harding. We worked with community children in four different cities, hosting vacation Bible schools and things like that. We worked alongside a nonprofit that sent children to school, and we volunteered at a drop-in center for children who live on the streets in Cebu City. This trip is what changed my life forever and probably the country I fell in love with the most. Most recently, I did spend the summer in Ghana. Um, there we worked with a private school and just worked alongside the local preachers and helping with the ministries within their churches. We hosted some vacation Bible schools and taught women's classes, but most of what we had planned was supposed to take place in Togo, okay. except when we got there, they denied our visas several times. Mm. So every day was just kind of a, what can we do today? Because what we had planned didn't get to happen. Um, so a lot of what we did, it ended up being a renovation of a school where we painted um, classrooms, we fixed chalkboards, and we did all of this alongside their teachers and the school principal. So we all worked on it together. Okay, okay. So what made you interested then, if missions is something that you dearly love, and obviously you do, um, working with youth groups in the church, how did we pivot to where you're sitting today? <laughs> Um, it comes from a lot of different things, mm -hmm. but growing up, I counseled church camp for eight years, and that was when I knew I had a heart for women's ministry specifically. But I think about the youth group that I was involved in in high school and how much I really loved it. My closest friends were in my youth group. Um, they were there when things were hard, when things were good, and youth group was just my favorite place to be. I... We talked about how I was a youth intern in college, and I did this for two years, and that was truly what solidified mm -hmm. my desire 
to work specifically with youth in a church setting. Um, I knew that would be difficult for me because minister roles for women in the Church Mm -hmm. of Christ is not common, but I know there are benefits from it, and it's something that I didn't have growing up. I had women in my life, and there were women in the church that were there for me, but in a I guess in a minister role, they just weren't mm-hmm. present. They were all men. And I'm thankful for that. If it were not for those men in ministry, I wouldn't be who I am right now. And I thank God for them and that they were in my life. But I also know the benefits that would have been there had I had a woman in ministry to walk alongside me. And a lot of what I do and why I do it comes from what I did not have. Mm -hmm. And so my youth group, yes, was a solid place, but I wanted to come back to that as a woman in the church because, or a woman in ministry, because that was something that I wish I had had. That's admirable, Aaron. I appreciate you sharing that with us. I know that uh, the teens here are so excited for you to be here, especially the girls, like you were talking about having someone that they can relate with. Um, So, working with teens and then watching things on Christian college campuses. You aren't too far removed from teenagers. You're, you're what? You're 22? 22. 22. Okay. Yeah. That's young. So, uh, yeah, you're just, I guess, three years past the teenage years. But <laughs> what do you think right now? I mean, 2021 is a different world, um, you know, than it was when I was a teenager in 2000, 2001. It's amazing how much things have changed even in uh, 20 years. What do you think teens right now in 2021 need more than ever to faithfully follow Jesus? See, there's a a long list of mm-hmm. things I could say to answer this question, especially from what I've um, experienced already. But I think the whole of it that can kind of encompass everything would just be authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um to be authentic is to be genuine. And I believe that they're lacking that the most because they're not genuine with each other. They have to put up this uh, false image of themselves or this this perfect image of themselves, mm-hmm. either in real life and or in social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also not being modeled for them what authenticity can look like because perfectionism is something that every generation has dealt with mm-hmm. and struggled with. So in adolescence, it's just, it's such a unique phase of life because that's when they're trying to figure out who they want to be and who they want to become. And if we are not authentic with them, then they're never gonna learn how to be truly authentic with themselves or with the people around them. And it's, it's through this authenticity that they can find Jesus because mm-hmm. Jesus is a very real Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he never promises that life is going to be perfect. And when they see that our lives will not be perfect, I think they're going to be more willing to follow along and to be walked with. Mm-hmm. And they'll be more open to it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great answer. I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that's true just for teenagers. I think that's true uh, with the singles and young adults that I work with, people in their late 20s and early 30s and people into their 40s and 50s and 60s. Uh, Christianity does not thrive when it's fake. It doesn't. 
authenticity uh, really makes a big difference in people's life when they know they can be real and open about who they are and what they're struggling with. Um, okay, so this next question, you can approach it from a youth minister perspective or women's ministry perspective or just adults in general. How do people who are uh, in relationship in covenant with Jesus maybe fall in deeper love with Jesus than they have been in the past? Yeah, I'm going to take this from a more personal perspective. Okay. Um, just because everyone feels loved in different mm-hmm. ways. And I can really only speak for me personally because that's just what I've experienced. But to fall, for me, to fall deeper in love with Jesus is to see what he has been doing for me for the Mm. past 22 years. Mm -hmm. So I have to take time to look back at everything he's brought me through, like every time I've moved and had to start over. um, He has walked me through all of that. And it's not just seeing that, but also the little day-to-day things. So when I'm having a conversation with somebody and there's something encouraging that I just needed to hear that day, Mm -hmm. that's God saying, hey, look, I see you and I know you're here and I know you needed to hear this today. And it's through these things that I see his love for me. And when I see, when I see his love for me, I can't not fall back in love with him Mm. because we so long as people, as humans, it's in our nature to want to be poured into. Mm-hmm. We were created to be loved. And when we see, when we learn to see the things God has done for us already, we are going to just fall into deeper relationship with Him because we're going to want to be with Him and in His presence just all the time. Mm-hmm. You always want to be in presence and in relationship with good people. And Jesus is is all things good. He's mm-hmm. all things love. Um, but I do believe that this falling in love with him is a constant over and over kind of thing mm-hmm. in your life. Um, <laughs> the way I worded it is like, you can't age out of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He is always going to be doing things for you and he's always going to be loving you. That There's nothing we can do that will stop mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so this this falling in love with him is just going to keep happening over and over and over again. That's very well said, Aaron. Um, I think we've both been part of environments in the past where someone answered this question by saying, uh, well, just memorize more scripture and you'll fall more in love with God. And while knowing scripture is so critically important to your spiritual health, I don't think that's how you fall in love with God is just making a faith purely an academic experience no because it's not our mm-hmm. jesus he's a personal jesus mm-hmm. and and it's it's a relationship mm-hmm. and a relationship doesn't come from a textbook mm-hmm. or um just written words we have to make that a part of who we are mm-hmm. and when we do that jesus is going to become a part of who we are as well right great answer well this next question may be a little bit unfair because you're I guess in week two of your uh, ministry <laughs> here at Preston Crest and uh, experience of working for a church. But if you were to look at it right now, thinking about, you know, what you hope to accomplish and what you hope God does through you here at your time at Preston Crest, how do you think you should define quote unquote success 
in ministry? Oh, not by numbers. That's just the first thing I think of is, is just you can't define success in ministry by a number. Like how many students do I have today? Do I have more students today than last week? Do I have, um, are there people showing up for this? Mm-hmm. And although numbers can be important, I don't believe that success should be defined solely by the number of people that are there because mm-hmm. you can have people physically present, but that doesn't mean you have souls that are walking towards God. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like success in ministry should be more should be more defined by are your people that you've been given to nurture, not necessarily how many, but the people just that you've been given, are they being spiritually fed? Mm-hmm. Are they growing in their faith? Do you see them becoming a more mature Christian? Mm-hmm. Um, but to go along with with the success in ministry, I think we also have to remember that our ministries are not our own. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're God's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the success, it comes from God. And if God finds this ministry to be successful, then he's going to be at the center of it. Right. And he'll be the priority and the focus of what this ministry has been built on. Yeah. Very wise words from a 22-year-old, particularly <laughs> someone in their second week of ministry. Um, and you're right. Numbers are a, a tough nut to crack because when it comes to church life, if there's a mass exodus from your church and a lot of people leave, well, that was not a successful decision, whatever that decision was. Right. Um, but Jesus also teaches that just because there's a lot of people at one place doesn't mean that's the right place to be. You know, he says, talking about salvation, that it's going to be a narrow road and a small gate and the masses are going to go down the wide road and the broad gate. And that that doesn't lead to a good place. So I think you have a good balance on that. We have to watch numbers and people do vote with their feet when they're Mm -hmm. unhappy or passionate about something. But at the end of the day, uh, numbers on a roll or attendance can't be the sole defining factor of success. I think we also have to remember that we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. Like as a ministry, it's not just like, it's not just me. It's Mm -hmm. all of us. Right. And we're all in it together as churches and brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love what you said. These are God's ministries. They're not our ministries. We partner with him. Yeah. Uh, they belong to him, and we are simply his vessels, his ambassadors. So as you're starting uh, this new journey, we talked the other day in my office. You said, you know, you were feeling a little overwhelmed, which is under- <laughs> understandable. But what can we be praying about for you, uh, people listening to this today? What can we pray about for you as you begin this new season of ministry? If there's anything I've learned from all the times I've moved, it's that it, it's like it never gets easier. Mm-hmm. So no matter how many times I do it, it actually just gets harder to move, to start over, to to pick up your life of what you know, to then go into a life of what is yet to be known. Mm-hmm. And so I think the main thing would be just that I can stay focused on why I'm here, mm-hmm. because God has brought me here for a reason and a purpose. And I don't need to lose sight on that from 
everything else that is fighting for my attention, Mm -hmm. um, which just comes from the natural newness of being somewhere that I'm unfamiliar with. That's something we all need to be praying about more, not to lose focus (laughs) of why God has us where he has us at this season of life. Well, Aaron, we are thrilled that you're at Preston Crest. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And I know the youth group is going to greatly benefit from you and your ministry and presence. Uh, I think Brian Borden did a great job asking you to come on board. And so we commend him for that decision, as well as others involved in the youth ministry. Any last words you have for us today? I don't think so, but I'm excited to be here and to get to know everyone. And you've already received your uh, new email for the church, correct? Yes. So if someone listening to this today wants to send Aaron just a brief email of encouragement, uh, it is Aaron at PrestonCrest.org. And that is E-R-I-N. Yes. Aaron at PrestonCrest.org. Well, Aaron, thank you for giving us a few minutes today of your time. Thank you for having me. And as always, I encourage you as we sign off today to keep your eyes on heaven and keep coming back to Road Talk each week as we help you navigate the journeys of life. Have a great week, and we will talk to you next time.